0: Hello and welcome to United Health Group's weekly dose podcast, where we'll catch you up to speed on the latest trends shaping the future of healthcare. Last month, the United Health Foundation, the philanthropic foundation of United Health Group, released its 32nd annual America's Health Rankings Report. The 2021 America's Health Rankings Report includes new, publicly available data and it paints a complex and nuanced picture of America's health during the pandemic, including reversals of longer-term trends across several measures. The 2021 edition may be of particular interest because it provides insights into the early effects of COVID-19 on America's health and well-being. Some figures in the report appear, at first glance, to be quite alarming. Other numbers appear surprisingly strong, given the context of a global pandemic, anyway. You can read the entire report at AmericasHealthRankings.org. That's AmericasHealthRankings.org to download the 2021 Amer- America's Health Rankings annual report. But here today to help us make sense of the report's findings is Dr. Rhonda Randall. She's a returning guest to the podcast, and she is chief medical officer for United Healthcare E&I. Dr. Randall, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you. Happy to be here.
0: Thank you, and happy new year to you. Uh, I guess the first question is, can you briefly explain the America's Health Rankings for listeners? What is it?
1: Thanks for that uh, question, so America's Health Rankings is The longest standing population health report of its kind now in its 32nd edition, the annual report really provides a comprehensive look at our nation's health on a state by state basis. I always ground people that America's health rankings is right in the title. This is America's data. It comes from more than three dozen uh, publicly available sources of information. So. It's not United Healthcare or United Health Group's data. I think sometimes, um, because of it being produced by the United Health Foundation, folks might think that. But this is America's data. Number two, it looks at our health very comprehensively, and it uses the WHO's definition of health which is much more than just the absence of disease. Uh, it looks at our health from socioeconomic factors, from our behaviors, from the clinical care we receive when we go to the doctor or the hospital to outcomes um, and behavioral health, social factors, all of these things into consideration. And then lastly, it's a ranking. So it's rating each of our states in relativity to one another. So what is the state that has ranked the highest for one of those 80 measures in the report? And what is the state that is most challenged or ranked the lowest with each of those measures? Um, so that's America's health rankings. Again, more than 80 different measures for more than 30 different public health sources.
0: I imagine that there's some interesting um, data and inf- interesting information for the 2021 edition why, in your own words, is 2021 so important? Why is this edition of particular value to listeners and physicians and cl- clinicians?
1: This year, we really see significant effects both direct and indirect of the pandemic, where a majority of the measures, the most recent available data is from the year 2020. There are a couple of measures in the report that the most recently available data is 2019. So it predates a pandemic. And there are even a few that include 2021, um, particularly around healthcare workforce measures. But the majority of the measures are through calendar year 2020. So it really gives us some insights as to um, how that complexity of our health was affected again, both directly as well as indirectly by the COVID-19 global pandemic.
0: So let's dive into some of those numbers. I, I guess my first question to you regarding the results, the the data from the 2021 annual report is what were the contributing factor factors, pardon me, to the historic death rate during the pandemic?
1: Yeah, thank you for asking that question. You know, that is really the most devastating piece of data that we see in this year's report is that there is a 17% increase in the death rate in the United States between 2019 and 2020. Um, that comes from the CDC um, wonder files for, for mortality. So right, it's just telling us this year death rate, but we know from looking at other sources from CDC and more that Probably about two-thirds of that can be explained um, by um, COVID being either the primary or a contributing factor to those increase in death rates. Some of the other things that we see with statistical significance are an increase in drug deaths. There were 93,000 more drug deaths in 2020 versus 2019, so that's quite significant. Um, The report doesn't include this information, but we also saw um, some Published reports that uh, heart disease uh, and that that may be from delayed care early in the pandemic, um, and Alzheimer's disease also had some increase in diagnosis and death rates.
0: There are some surprising findings uh, around the prevalence of multiple chronic conditions, including cancer and arthritis, and and high health status as well. So, what do you make of these trends, and will they continue?
1: Yeah, that's a uh, multiple chronic conditions. Um, you may or may not be surprised to hear it decreased four percent nationally from last year's report to this year's report. Um, for the second year in a row, it dropped, and we're concerned that that can't all be explained by less individuals having chronic conditions, and that it is more likely that individuals were skipping care uh, for those chronic conditions and it wasn't getting documented. So, you know, again, this, uh, comes from, um, asking individuals if they've been told by their physician if they have one of eight chronic conditions. These are things like asthma, cancer, heart disease, arthritis, uh, chronic kidney disease, chronic lung disease, diabetes, depression. Um, And out of all of those, the one that decreased the most was cancer. Um, and, and we're worried that was because that it may be because there was less detection because we were looking for it less. So we know that during the pandemic, less people got screened for things like breast cancer and colon cancer and others. So this is one we're going to be watching very carefully. And United Healthcare, we've been very focused over the last two years on making sure that our members return to care, that they get those cancer screenings. That for you know uh, screenings like colon cancer, where non-invasive tests can be done easily at home, as an alternative um, to getting a, um, a more invasive test in a healthcare setting that that access is available
0: the annual report found a decrease in excessive drinking for 2021 which is inconsistent with reporting from other sources so why do you think that is
1: yeah you know I think we all saw you know high rates of liquor sales um happening during the pandemic. This did surprise me uh, when I saw that saw the decrease in excessive drinking. It's notable that what went down was binge drinking that went down the most uh, and in contrast, heavy drinking increased a little bit um during the same period of time. so it may be that we saw a shift in drinking patterns where instead of consuming a large amount of alcohol on a single day that uh, more people were drinking more heavily throughout the week. Um, you know, and and you can, um, you know, maybe think about bars being closed and college campuses being closed. And, you know, did that have some contributing factor? Of course, the report doesn't tell us um, the the cause, we just measure the data. Um, but it's it's a, a surprising finding.
0: Some experts say that most Americans' mental health suffered during the pandemic. So why did frequent mental health distress decrease in the America's health rankings? And also, um, why did men and women experience such different rates?
1: Yeah, you know, we I think everyone at a minimum experienced more stress. Um, over the last two years, frequent mental distress. This comes from the CDC's Behavioral Risk Surveillance System. It's a telephonic survey. It asks adults how often over the last 30 days did they experience mental distress? And frequent mental distress is defined as those who said 14 or more days of the last month I experienced mental distress. So a very high number we saw nationally it decreased 4%, which also surprised us. But when you unpack that, you know, often with this report, um, the national trends can mask what's going on underneath. So when we look at a state level, when we break it down by subpopulation, what we see is females experienced a rate of frequent mental distress one and a half times higher than their male counterparts. So among the females surveyed by the CDC, 16%. Uh, said that they experienced frequent mental distress which, and it was less than 11% for males. We also saw that for those who are um, of a higher income level, they ex- experienced significantly less frequent mental distress than those who make less than $25,000 a year. So it was about slightly less than 21% for the population with an income less than 25000 and less than 9%.
0: You know, one of the other interesting findings from the, uh, the the report was about insufficient sleep. First of all, I was just surprised that insufficient sleep was in in the America's Health Rankings, but uh, it, it includes a seemingly uh, hopeful or good finding about insufficient sleep. What is that finding, and why is insufficient sleep included in the rankings?
1: Yeah, we know we now know how important sleep is to our overall health, and I'm glad that we have included it in the report. Uh, We see that um, those who get fewer than seven hours of sleep in a 24-hour period, um, that there is a significant linkage to um, higher rates of chronic disease, for example. So we saw that. insufficient sleep decreased six percent nationally between in 2018 and 2020 so this is looked at over a two-year measurement period but we saw some really significant differences by race um, and i think we also saw some pretty significant differences by income levels in this measure as well so the decrease in insufficient sleep was m- most notable um, in asian adults um, And adults who identified their race as other, um, as compared to American Indian and Alaska Native and multiracial adults, they had the highest rates of insufficient sleep. And, you know, I think a worthy conversation to have here is, you know, were those who are in careers that um, were able to telecommute, right? And instead of spending time in their car, driving to and from the office, now they're able to... um, get a little bit more sleep, you know, as compared to people who were essential workers? Um, and um, in, is there something within the data to look at there?
0: I think it's safe to say that COVID-19 has had uh, some unusual impacts on some of the measurements in America's health rankings, uh, particularly, obviously, the 2021 edition. So I'm wondering, as, as for you as a physician, how hard is it? interpret these findings and use these findings.
1: I think it's really important uh, to have a grounding in the overall platform of America's health rankings and the data and the reports and understand and appreciate the nuance and the complexity even without a pandemic, right? Recognizing that our health is comprehensive, that's why we put this report together. It's a call to action for individuals and their communities. Uh, you know, with within each of these things that we see, whether they're um, disappointing but not surprising or surprising, if you look at it at a state level and you look at it at a subpopulation level, that's really where you find uh, the opportunities for improvement in our health.
0: I'm wondering, what do you want listeners to take from America's Health Rankings? Um, What do you want them to, uh, you know, what's the call to action? What is the thing that you want them to take from it?
1: You know, every year that we look at the report, you know, there's, there's clearly some pieces around national calls to action. A really great example of that is around cigarette use. Right? Over the last 32 years, we've seen cigarette smoking in the United States decline um, from around 30% of U.S. adults to around 16% of U.S. adults uh, using, using um, tobacco products. And that was done by a lot of different factors. There was no single thing that did it, but the call to action was, you know, about supporting someone who desired to quit smoking. And, you know, unfortunately, we're now concerned that we're seeing, um, potentially seeing some of those gains um, clawed back by the um, rise in the use of e-cigarettes, for example. But the call to action With this report, I think really has to be around um, mental health, behavioral health, and returning to care. So we want to make sure that we are getting children back to get their childhood immunizations, that individuals are getting an annual wellness exam, and if they're not comfortable to return to a physician's office to consider telemedicine um, and and other sources of getting those cancer screenings, et cetera. That's going to be really important. We don't want to um, replace one problem with another.
0: Dr. Randall, thank you so much for being on the podcast today.
1: Thank you. It was great to be with you.
0: That's it for this episode of United Health Group's Weekly Dose Podcast. Please subscribe to the Weekly Dose Podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And as always... Thank you for listening and have a great rest of your week.